We've all heard of striving to be carbon neutral, but what about being carbon positive? Today's awesome chat is with Louise from Carbon Positive Australia. But be warned, there's a few science lessons today about climate change. We discuss the work of Carbon Positive Australia, the importance of their work, as well as her love of trees. She really does love them a lot. But one of my favourite parts is when I ask if everyone can be carbon positive. Louise takes a glass half full approach and gives some fantastic tips that everyone can apply. I'm not going to lie, there were some times that I was just absorbing all the great information and I completely forgot that I had to interview Louise. It was a really great chat and I hope you enjoy the pod. So tell us a bit about Louise and your journey to uh, Carbon Positive Australia. Well, that is quite a uh, question, um, Jordan, because as you can probably tell from the accent, I'm not from around here. But um, I came out to Australia um, back in the early 2000s and um, lived here with my children and then ended up back in the UK again for work purposes. But in 2015, um, I came back out and was living in the southwest of Western Australia and really spending time out in nature, a lot of time out in nature. And I had joined an organisation called Tree Sisters and Tree Sisters were a group of UK women who wanted to reforest the tropics. And so since 2015, I was working for them and connecting, really connecting with the trees here in Western Australia. And when there was an opportunity for a role that came up um, to lead what was then Carbon Neutral Charitable Fund, I took it because I felt really strongly that I wanted to help plant trees here in Australia. So although it was great doing the tropical tree planting with Tree Sisters, yep. an absolutely amazing organisation, I really got that sense that I needed to do something in my own backyard. So yeah. that's how I ended up coming to... Um, what is now Carbon Positive Australia, and we changed the name, um, which I can talk about about later. Because, but we wanted to really put the emphasis on the trees as well as the carbon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. And it sounds like, judging by your answer, there, that um, your sort of journey to being, you know, climate conscious, uh, climate conscious, was something that was spurred in Australia. Was it something that you know back home in the UK that would really, you know, sort of tickled your fancy, or was it something in Perth that really um, had a bit, I wouldn't say an epiphany, but maybe grew your appreciation for nature and how we should be protecting it? I think so. There's something hugely unique about particularly Western Australian, um, the ecosystems here. They are yep. totally unique. And I think as well, you know, over time, our role here in Australia, we've actually had a really big impact on the on the ground you know in terms of tree clearing in terms of our interaction with nature and probably because you know at some levels we haven't really understood it we've kind of put western models into an australian um, context and so i really wanted to um i really wanted to put something back you know to actually um to do something in my role and in my life where i was maybe having an impact on trying to restore some of the things that maybe hadn't you know gone as well in the past even though I personally you know wasn't part of that it still felt like you know it was a really important thing to do to um to get trees in the ground and to I I mean I don't know how much you know about Western Australia but they um the wheat belt area that we have here has become 
quite sick during you know the lands got quite sick due to um, over salination um, land clearing and so it's been really important for many organizations not just carbon positive australia but many organizations to work to help um, increase soil fertility um, restore the land you know there yeah okay fascinating um yeah it's it's really cool to hear how how much you know about perth um you know being a i don't want to say foreign now because you've lived here for so long but um, you know, coming from the south of England now to, to the west of Australia. So it's really humbling to hear how much you've really taken in your stride and protecting um, our great country. Um, but just sort of moving forward now to Carbon Positive Australia, I'll be fairly honest with you, Louise, I hadn't heard about Carbon Positive Australia um, until yourself and uh, yeah, Lauren reached out to me. Um, so I'd love for you to just chat a bit more about um, Carbon Positive Australia, um, what the organisation stands for, what do you guys do, and most importantly, uh, why it's a vital um, organisation that we should all be aware of. Absolutely. And, you know, this is what I'm here to talk about, not myself, because actually it, I'm not very yeah. important in this story. Um, what is important is, no, the work, sure is the work that we actually do. And so Carbon Positive Australia began 20 years ago in 2001 as Carbon Neutral Charitable Fund. And essentially it was started as a means to use um, carbon sequestration as a way to restore undegraded land. So individuals, and it was very ahead of its time because, you know, we all kind of know about carbon now and we all sort of, you know, we've all heard about it, but probably 20 years ago, people hadn't, it wasn't really in people's consciousness so much, but um, what happened is that they were the very first organization in the whole of Australia to have a carbon calculator so individuals okay. could go onto the carbon calculator and they could work out what their own carbon footprint was. So that would be things like calculating, you know, your car travel, your power usage, um, if you'd taken any flights. And then what they did was they said to people, well, this is the amount of carbon. Um, and in order to offset that carbon, you have to plant this many trees. And then they had tree planting projects throughout Western Australia and throughout Australia, actually planting trees on behalf of individuals who wanted to offset their their carbon emissions. And that kind of grew very slowly sort of over over time. And as I was saying earlier, we recently changed the name to Carbon Positive Australia. And we did that because we wanted to actually say to people, you know, this is really in your awareness now, you know, that climate change is a real thing that's happening um so therefore you know now is the time to kind of do more almost and part of that doing more is the role that trees play in combating climate change and using trees as a way of sequestering um carbon yeah fascinating is um yeah, that was, that was a really great explanation and, and highly detailed. I'd just love you to touch on touch upon a little bit more, if you don't mind, Louise, just about the importance of the work you do. Um, so maybe you could potentially discuss some of the results that you've noticed recently and what you guys are looking to do in the future, because I think that's um, vital for understanding the importance of the organisation too. Yeah, so obviously I think we all know that trees are important. <laughs> it's kind of like, yep. you know, I think we all know. There are so many positive benefits you can get from planting trees. You know, it improves health and well-being. It can provide habitats for other creatures. Um, it protects and increases our biodiversity and also improves yep. the water table and water quality and things like that. So there's loads of things that planting trees can do. 
And what we try and do as an organisation is to plant trees on land that's become degraded for whatever reason. It might be because it's been cleared in the past. It might be because, you know, it's been impacted by salt. It could be that, you know, it's been used for sort of farming purposes in the past. And we work with landholders, including farmers who want to plant on parts of their land to restore vegetation. And it's all endemic. So that means that it's all native species. And we try and plant lots of multi-species as well. So you've got lots going on, you know, lots of different types of trees and vegetation, which creates great habitat for um you know yeah. for wildlife and increases the overall biodiversity okay oh awesome that's really yeah really cool to hear i just had a, a random thought there because you often hear about a lot of brands um and a lot of companies in general who you know might plant one tree um for every you know sale made and stuff like that and um have you found those to be quite effective systems i know i think there's one of them's called one tree planted yeah. and it's got quite a big reputation like you know, are those organisations, you know, doing some really good work or is it something that maybe needs to be addressed and being a lot more, um, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word here, but, you know, it's maybe they're just planting the trees and not really worrying about the species of them like you guys are. Uh, can there be more thought placed into those organisations who plant trees on behalf of other brands and stuff like but, that? But, you know, I think I think all trees – I'm a – advocate of all tree planting organizations you know i think as many trees in the ground as possible and you know you'll get for example in the organization i worked for previously we would um, plant mangroves for example in madagascar and so then you're planting species that are you know endemic to that region you're planting lots of mangrove trees and that's a great thing because mangroves sequester um, carbon really well you know so they're drawing lots of carbon out I think what we do here is a very specialist type of planting because we're doing a restoration, ecological restoration type okay. of planting. And so then you're okay. looking at making sure that it's multi-species because in order for it to flourish and almost replicate what's yep. happened in the non-cleared land, you want to try and put it back to a way that it was before. Does that kind of make okay. sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah 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 it does it does um yeah I'm, I'm learning so much about about trees it's not something i'm a i'm an expert in i'm far from it but just just hearing you talk about it and the passion that that's coming out of your voice it's, it's quite infectious so i'm definitely doing some googling <laughs> after our chat today and I, ho- I hope our listeners are as well um so I, I didn't realize especially with the species um you know how prominent that is so yeah, I'm, I'm loving all the facts um but just bring it back now to to our listeners and how they can be um, you know, em- embrace a, a more carbon positive lifestyle. Can you chat about what it means to be carbon positive? And is that something that the everyday Australian can strive towards? Absolutely, it is. Yeah. So when I talk about being carbon positive, I mean, most people have heard of the term carbon neutral. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. and the idea of being carbon neutral is that the amount of greenhouse gases that you emit are equal to the amount that so you get to a net zero effect essentially so you your emissions are 10 and then you offset 10 or remove 10 so you're back to zero when you're carbon positive this for for us it means going beyond that because we know that actually the emissions that we've made since the industrial revolution we've got to do a huge amount to kind of turn things back and so yep. lots of organisation, 
are now thinking, well, actually, becoming carbon neutral is not enough. We need to actually go take that process forward. And so we need to offset more emissions than we release and also take other positive actions towards restoring the environment. And I think that's the really important bit. You know, it's great to be carbon neutral. And, you know, if that's where you're at, that's amazing. Um, But when we're talking about being carbon positive, we're also talking about things like supporting the halting of deforestation. Because obviously deforestation, you know, it's no good planting trees if you're cutting down old growth forest, for example. That's, you know, old growth forest is one of the most important things that we can protect. It means thinking about eliminating the use of fossil fuels in your lifestyle. So, you know, it might be about getting a more sustainable lifestyle, sourcing your energy from renewable sources. So there's, I think the reason we chose the term carbon positive because it was actually looking at it, not just so that you've just, you know, balanced the scorecard, but because you're actually wanting to really do something really positive for the environment. Yeah. Yeah, no, fascinating. Um, No, I think that's a really cool, uh, um, I guess, position to take because, yeah, you don't just want to be breaking even, you want to be, you know, essentially being in profit for the environment. Um, So I I think none of us want our balance sheets to be just break even. I think all of us want to make money. So I think we look at it one way, it's like, in a way to make money for the environment and the better the or the bigger the profit the better it is for our planet um but can you sort of break it down to some examples um for our listeners so m- most of our listeners um or our key part of our demographic is sort of mums around the 35 to 45 range and i know there's going to be a variety of people from you know different ages and genders as well but for sort of our typical consumer can you please give them some practical examples about you know how they can be carbon positive so you know, list some of the things that would be bringing them into the negative and then give some examples of how they can turn that negative into carbon yeah, positive. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that you can do, which is really important, is to ensure that you're buying project um, products that aren't um, causing deforestation. So that's that's a okay. really important so, one to kind of um, look yeah. for. And you can look... look you know, one of the great ways to do that, and I think it actually can be quite fun, you know, is to find out where your products are coming from. What are you buying? You know, where's it coming from? And what's the process to get it to you? Because yep. that, um, okay. and, you know, you can have some quite good fun in the research part of that because, you yeah. know, it makes you, okay. you can obviously sometimes find alternative products that you haven't even heard about that are great, you know? So yeah. doing a little bit of, you know, Mr. Google looking in, <laughs> in fact, don't you, you yeah. could use um, Ecosia or somewhere like that who plant a tree on your behalf, but <laughs> I'm not, um, yeah. I'm not saying which search engine to use or promoting that, but you know, that's, yeah. that's something you could do. So you can actually, um, yeah, take the time to sort of look at where your, your products are coming from. So that's, that's always a really good place to start. You can then look at your own energy use. So, you know, one of the ways you can do that is obviously by accessing an online carbon calculator. Um, ours is free, so you can come okay. on and, and, and use our carbon calculator and look yeah. at your own energy use. So, for example, you know, maybe if you're taking the car, every day to work maybe you could change to taking the train or a bus or you yep. know maybe you can cycle okay. those kind of things you know so there yeah. are lots of meaningful ways that you can actually look to reduce because I suppose the, the important there's sort of a three-step process the way that I look at it is that 
first of all, you need to know. It's kind of like, do your research, first of all. How much is my carbon emissions? You know, where am I buying my stuff from? That's the first thing. And then you look, secondly, where can I reduce my carbon? So that's like point two. Where can I reduce? And then finally, you're going to be left with an amount that actually it's not possibly going to be possible for you to, you know, remove completely. We, We live in a society where that's not you know, totally possible. And that's the bit you can offset through yep. planting trees. Okay. No, fascinating. I just want to touch back on some of your points just to add some clarification to our listeners. So you mentioned the COSIA, which is spelled E-C-O-S-I-A, and I'll include this in the show notes. But just to confirm, it's a search engine that um, I think donates over 80 or 85% of its profits um, it does, to reforestation. Yep. <laughs> um, so Yes, yeah, so that's what you were trying about. Just in case some people weren't aware of that, because yeah, I only learned about that about eighteen months ago. So, um, so that's really cool. So it's, it's the a Google, Google alternative thing. that plants trees. Um, what can we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it works quite similar to Google. Like I, I try to use it as much as possible. Like, <clears throat> sorry, it's my throat. Sometimes um, it's not as good as Google. I will say that it's not as um in depth in the algorithm as, as advanced. Um, but for the most part, it's excellent. Cool. And uh, it also reminds me too, when you're chatting before about researching where your products are made, there's a similar movement in the fashion issue yeah. called Who Made My Clothes? Where, where, yeah, um, yeah. Are you, are you yeah. aware of that, Louise? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just going to explain it to you. So it's, I think it's a similar thing to that. So a lot of our listeners probably have taken interest in climate change and, and sustainable fashion. And I think it's really important to apply those principles of who made my clothes to, you know, who made my Oh, I'm trying to just try to think out loud, like any other product that you consume at the supermarket. So um, I think we should apply those same principles um, to other parts of our consumption, whether it be our food, whether it be our, um, you know, our home products, um, as, as well as our fashion. So I think that's a, that's a really great message there. Um, and yeah, is there anything else you want to add towards that? And, you know, is, is you, I think you said at the start of when I asked that question, it is something that you absolutely think all Australians Yeah, exactly. Towards. So I think, you know, halting deforestation is a huge part. Obviously, our organisation isn't in, um, you know, we're not about halting deforestation. There are other organisations that do that. But obviously, as, as part of our remit, we would always say that's got to be number one. So stop, you know, stop cutting the trees yep. down, you know, then it, because that, yeah. that's really important. And I think, you know, for particularly for your listeners to understand, um, you know, where trees are used in products and, and what damage, yep. you know, old, particularly the um, cutting down of old growth forests can do is, is kind of okay. a really important thing that they can sort of research and look at. Um, yeah, to try because, you know, yeah. it's it's one of those um, elements of being carbon positive, which does take a bit of work, <laughs> you know, actually finding okay. out your, you know, listeners will know that from their own, um, you know, fashion journeys around that. It can take a little bit of work to sort of understand yep. where your products come from. But once you've done that, you Definitely. know, you can feel really certain that actually you're taking really great steps on your sort of carbon positive journey. Yeah, no, fascinating. I appreciate you, um, part of the part of being positive about being calm and positive. Um, so I think we can all be a lot more glass half full about what we can do to, to, to save our planet. Um, now just coming back to Carbon Positive Australia, can you tell us a bit about some of the projects that, that you're currently working on and why they're important? Yeah, uh, to absolutely. Your so we have a number of projects that we're working on currently. So the biggest project that we're doing at the moment yep. is a partnership with um, Bush Heritage. 
um, which is at Uradi okay. Reserve, which is near um, the Kalbarri Reserve at, in Western Australia. And this year we, we're yep. going to be planting up to 750 hectares. Eventually, I'm hoping up to 1,350 hectares on the Uradi Reserve. Um, this year we'll plant right. 277 hectares. And Uradi is such a special place. It's, it has more than 500 um, plant species just in that one kind of area. <laughs> which is quite, it's quite amazing, isn't it, okay. to think that? And of those, yeah. there's five that are actually nationally endangered or vulnerable. So by planting there, we're really helping to protect the future of, you know, Western Australian ecosystems. So it's, it's, a, really, okay. it's a really special, um, a special project. So that's on Nanda country, which is, as I said, up near the Kalbarri Park. So anyone who knows um, Western Australia will know you know, be able to put that on a map by kind of knowing where that is. Um, we then are planting down in the southwest of Western Australia at a site called Tutanellup. And Tutanellup is near Lake okay. Muir. And there is a whole project that's happening in that part of the world called the Gondwana Link. And so what's happening there is they're trying to um, replant previously cleared land and provide corridors across that whole um, area. And so this particular site will provide a vital part of that corridor planting. And it's great. It's a brilliant multi-species planting. So it'll encourage birds and wildlife. So it's, it's fabulous from that perspective as well, because it's got a great biodiversity um, impacts. Yep. We then have okay. another project which is not okay. in Western Australia. Your place is another part of Australia. <laughs> so yeah. we have a project awesome. at um, near Nimbin, which is going to be planting a again a multi-species planting um, for helping. It's called corridor planting. So what we mean by that is that there's two national parks, and we fill out the space between so that animals can move from one national park. To another national park and in this case it's for koalas Fantastic. and we all know how koalas were really impacted by the um the fires yeah no without a doubt and it sounds like you're gonna have your work cut out for 2021 and until i know it's it's hard to um you know explicitly measure the results of exactly you know what will happen from this tree plant but you know what, what are you expecting um, to occur in the next maybe three, five, ten, and, and, and 50 years from the work that you're, you're doing this year. So with the, we're with the expecting to develop what's called canopy cover. So we expect the trees okay. to grow, obviously, you know, and provide a canopy. Then that, and then there's some understory, what they call understory planting, which goes underneath that. And what we expect then is for the area to kind of naturally regenerate itself as well. So once those trees go in, so we'd be looking that, at some point in the future where we've planted will replicate what possibly was there prior yep. to it being cleared. And we know that, oh, okay. so how do we know that that's possible? Well, we know that's possible because we do what's called monitoring. So we go out and we monitor okay. the survival rates and we monitor, you know, how much carbon has been sequestered and all that kind of thing. But we also work with um, other organisations to measure, for example, how much bird life came back into the area. And then okay. we compare that with, say, bird life in a national park that's not been 
um, you know, cleared in the past or with sites where, you know, restorations previously happened and it's been restored for a long while. And we, we look to see how many species of birds have come back in because they're a really good indicator of how much biodiversity has come back in. Okay. Fascinating. So it, it seems like it's a lot more of a qualitative approach. Um, or not qualitative, I shouldn't say that, but it's a, it's more of a general thing as opposed to hitting certain KPIs, uh, like I guess other businesses would target. Would I be correct in saying that? It's it's more of a structural approach? As yeah, to, so yeah, what KPIs. we're trying to do is to, yeah. um, so, you know, we obviously set ourselves goals of how many hectares we'd like to restore, but obviously it's dependent on yeah. how many donations we have come in from, you know, organisations and individuals as to how much we can actually yep. do on the ground. But I think, you know, for us, what's, what's a good measure of success? A good measure of success is high survival rates and canopy cover for the yep. future. Those are, and obviously okay. the amount of carbon that is sequestered. I remember as well, Jordan, we work on pretty degraded land. So we are often, yep. you know, at the cutting edge of research in terms of, you know, what we plant where and how well that does. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, f- fantastic. And you briefly touched on my next question with a few of the other answers and by chatting about restoration, but you able to elaborate upon why restoration is so oh important. Oh my gosh. I, I think <laughs> it's one of those things that it's good for us. You know, it's we, okay. the climate crisis that we're kind of in isn't just a weather crisis. It's uh, an extinction crisis as well. You know, we are losing species. I I think um, there was a recent David Attenborough, I can't, don't quote me, but there was a film where they talked about the number of species that are being lost. And it's just horrifying. Um, And so restoration, good ecological restoration, really plays a part in protecting those endangered and vulnerable species. And, and that might be us too, okay. you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess um, I just, I just had a question, sort of building off that answer there, because I think a few people listening, and I know I certainly felt this myself, is some people, you know, whether it be in our family or friendship groups or work colleagues who are skeptical about, you know, trying to be carbon neutral or carbon positive. Um, what would be some of your advice to people out there who are trying to convince you know, their circles around them? to embrace a more climate conscious lifestyle you know, what, what are some things that you you know that they should focus on because um, I've probably tried everything under the sun um, and you know some people don't like to believe evidence they like to believe their own opinions which is frustrating um, so like what message would you you know share with our listeners who want to try share the message to other people like what would you focus so on I, I never try and preach to the people that won't you know that are not going to be converted <laughs> I am not a preaching kind of person. So, and and as an organization, we're not a movement in that sense. What what I would say is that taking practical action and showing the benefits of that practical action is the thing that for most people, you know, regardless of what you believe, when you see practical action on the ground and you see the impacts that that has, you can't really deny it, can you? It's kind of... You know, even even no. if you're a, a huge denier, you you know of climate change, and some people are, and you know everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, 
it's when you see that species are not doing well and you look at land that's not doing well and then you compare that to land that is doing well with flourishing species it's kind of it's hard to then argue against why you would want not do that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, no. But we're not a movement guess, organization, um, so I'm not, you know, we're not trying nah. to preach to anyone as to what they should do. Yeah. What we do is help people who want to have really good impacts get them through the work that we do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a very wise way to go about it because you can, you can you can waste a lot of time trying to, uh, I guess, convince climate change deniers. But um, that's probably yeah, uh, another podcast another right there. So that's probably not much. You've put, there's probably much yeah. better people that can can assist you with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, no stress. We'll have to get a, a panel just for that topic. Just for that yeah, topic there. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And and just to work towards wrapping up, my last question for you today, Louise, is how can our listeners join in with a carbon positive? So movement? as I was saying at the beginning, the first thing that you can actually do is go on and find out what your own carbon footprint is. If you're interested, you know, come yep. on to our website. We're carbonpositiveaustralia.org.au. Calculate your footprint, you know, find yeah. out. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off, Louise. Um, I'll, okay. This will all be yeah. included in the show notes. So if you go over the URL, yeah. this will be included. There no, no, you. that's so, yeah. fine. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, come on, calculate your footprint. Find out about your own energy use and, and what your emissions are. And then, you know, look at the hints and tips on how you can reduce that and you know we talked about a couple of those but you know even as simple things that we all know like you know turning off lights <laughs> yeah that's kind of a yeah. basic one but you know it's stuff we can all do so look at how you can reduce your um bills through your electric and that saves you money too yep. so yeah it can't be a bad thing can it yeah <laughs> win, win 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 and so look at all the areas in your life where you can reduce and then with the remainder as i said of the um, emissions that you've had think about how you might want to offset that and i would say the great thing about trees or any kind of natural vegetation type projects is they actually remove carbon from the atmosphere so, you know, trees yep. are like okay. you know, the lungs of the earth, aren't they? They're actually removing that carbon from the atmosphere. So, yeah, I think th that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, just find out more yep. information. Yeah, no, awesome. And I hope everyone listening does visit the website and, and um, you know, browse all the resources. I know I sure did in the last couple of weeks. And, yeah, I've learned a lot about, yeah, more about the climate, you know, the I guess some of the climate strategy you guys are um, employing and um, yeah, more about the work you do. And just a quick question, because I know something I struggled with when I first started to become more climate conscious was just some about those um, strategies to, um, you know, offset your emissions. Um, so you mentioned planting trees. Are there any other ones you'd like to suggest to people uh, to embrace? So there are lots of different um, methods that you can use. So um, yeah. the things like wind farms and yeah, all of those kind of things. But yeah. I would say do your research because they're all going to have different outcomes. And so I think what you need, yep. to, it's, it's a bit like, you know, you need to think about your own personal circumstances and how, you know, what you'd like to achieve as the end result. So, you know, yep. if, you, if you're um, reducing through, um, you know, buying, it, and it may be that, you know, you want to protect areas of Australia through that, which case you'd pick an organisation like us. You may want to do faster carbon sequestration, in which case you might choose to invest in a mangroves project. 
for example. You know, there's all okay. different types of ways that you can achieve the same result. And it's going to be very dependent on the individual and what, what their outcomes that they want are. Yeah. No, awesome. And I, I just said on the website too, there is a section on the website where you can yep. purchase quick offsets. Um, so if you just want a, a quick and easy solution, um, that's great there. And I think a really cool one here I can see is the flight offsets. Um, you know, hopefully our borders open up soon and we can go on some holidays, you know, internationally or, or hopefully nationally as well. And um, I know some airlines now, I think Jets are doing where you can purchase the carbon offset, but um, I'd probably recommend doing it through Carbon Positive Australia because um, corporations aren't always the most trustworthy in some instances. So, um, yeah, ch- check out the, check out the Carbon Positive Australia website. There's a yeah, cool, cool, cool link here for quick offsets. Um, but look, just to sort of wrap up, uh, Louise, uh, big, oh, big thank, thank you for your time today. It's been super educational. It's the first time we've really spoken about um, climate change this deep on the podcast. You know, we, we have touched upon it as a secondary effect of, you know, consuming more sustainable fashion. But it's been really cool to learn about um, a bit more about the science behind it and the value behind the work that you guys do at Carbon Positive Australia. So, um, yeah, on behalf of everyone, um, Stride and, and our listeners, uh, thank you for Thanks, being Jordan. So it's been a pleasure. Today. Thanks for listening to this episode. I really hope that you learned as much as I did. If you're loving the pod, then please leave a review because it really helps us grow and reach more people. And if you have any questions about anything we discussed on today's episode or just curious about something else, then please email me at jordan at stridestore.com.au. And lastly, don't forget to visit Stride today for your sustainable fashion and skincare needs. Have a wonderful day.